0: Welcome in to the podcast for all fans of the best basketball league in the world. For the next 24 minutes, everything you need to know about the NBA is given to you in the simplest of ways, straight to the point. No overloads of stats or articles, just telling it like it is so that even a non-NBA fan becomes a fanatic. So get ready. Warm-ups just ended. And the possession arrow belongs to another week gone by here back again and these are really the dog days, aren't they? even in a shortened season this is the time where I think viewership is at an all-time low but hopefully listenership is not at an all-time low for this podcast you know it's kind of hard not to talk about the biggest sporting event in the world every year as it's only under a week away and that being the Super Bowl this being an NBA podcast, you wouldn't think there's a connection there, but there absolutely is and For the first topic of today, that's what we're going to get into, because there's quite the comparison to make when it comes to the idea of championships and a certain animal you can find at a petting zoo. So the big intrigue of the Super Bowl matchup this year happens to be Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady. The two arguable goats, or one definitive goat and one potential GOAT he's got a hell of a chance to do it that being Mahomes but in Brady's case being the proven veteran Mahomes gonna take him down that could do a lot for his legacy the most heated GOAT debate in sports belongs in the NBA if you ask me I don't think really there's many other disputed ones you know, in baseball, there's just such a rich history and the game has changed so much that so many players have come and gone that you can't really compare. And I think the NBA is honestly getting to that point or could get to that point here within the next decade even. I think you can still argue it now, but and I, and I always do and always will. And you'll know which side I'm on if you don't already. But the thing about it is that Mahomes, if he wins on Sunday then there's a lot of people, I think, that'll make that switch and say, all right, well, he beat the GOAT right now. If he can gain a few more titles, he's going to be in that conversation. That'll put him at two, obviously Brady having the six that he does. If he gets the seven and holds Mahomes back from that second one, that could be even worse for Mahomes' legacy when I think it's obvious that he could be the more talented player probably have better stats than Brady when it's all said and done, if he stays healthy and everything stays on course that it's on. It's just the ring count. That's the big one. And in football, here's the difference when it comes to that in the NBA. In football, it's such a team sport. Yes, I am one that if you ask for my football opinions, I will compare quarterbacks based on rings. To me, if your quarterback is good enough to win you a Lombardi, that's what it's all about. And I think that goes for any sport. If you have a roster makeup that wins you a title, it does not matter. You could have the Bad News Bears on your team. If you win the ring, it means everything. And on the flip side, it don't mean a thing without the ring. This is why I'm on the argument for the GOAT being Michael Jordan. I cannot get too into this because when it's just me on here, I only go 24 minutes. And so we don't have that much time. But in a nutshell, part of my reasoning for thinking that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player who ever lived and still is to this day, it's the amount of bites at the apple that LeBron James has had and hasn't converted. Also, I look at this idea that one season prior to the Lakers winning the NBA championship, they weren't in the playoffs with LeBron James. Yes, I understand they didn't have Anthony Davis. They still had Brandon Ingram. They still had Lonzo Ball, who wasn't a bad guard, who still isn't a bad guard. Were they as talented as they were for that championship run? No. And was LeBron hurt, hurt for a majority of that season? Yes. I understand. So here's where I'm going with this point. I talked about how football is mainly a team sport. I think if that shows anything, that statement I just made, is that basketball is the one sport you could argue rings to a specific player because specific players can make the difference. It can take a team of scrubs and LeBron James to a team of Scrubs and LeBron James and Anthony Davis from missing the playoffs entirely to winning it all the next season. Circumstances being what they were with the, with the coronavirus, but still, I, I think the Lakers, you wouldn't have been surprised if they would have won it with arenas packed full of people in a nor- normal circumstance. Who they face and how the seating plays out, that's obviously completely different, but it's still not a surprise either way. So that's not what I'm complaining about. That's not what I'm going against LeBron James for or anybody specifically. But here's what I do mean. A lot of people who are on James's side, they want to talk about the statistics. They want to talk about the physical credentials of being taller and heavier and more muscular, I guess, than Michael Jordan, pound for pound, a better athlete, which I think is very arguable, but that's not the point I'm trying to make here. The point I'm trying to make here is that you always look at six for six. LeBron James is four and six now. Obviously doesn't look as good. But for the LeBron supporters, they'll say, for the six losses that LeBron has, that's how many Jordan made it to in the first place. Understood. And I think, and I will be one to say it, I'll say it on my own podcast, and I will say it if it happens which it still has a chance to, but if LeBron James does catch Michael Jordan in the ring column, there's not much more of an argument. And I might switch over to the other side, the dark side, because that's one of the major arguing points against LeBron James. To me, you could still make the argument if James does catch Jordan with six rings that it took him at least, by that point, it would have taken him at least 12 times to get there. And he'll have an even finals record as opposed to perfect. But you can't argue the side that he made it to 12. I know the East, and I know all of that, and I'll be one to tell you that the Eastern, Eastern Conference wasn't that good. And it hasn't been that good in LeBron James's tenure in it. But it also goes back to the fact of, look at Mahomes. This is the last crossover reference I'll make in the fact that if you have a transcendent athlete like that, are the teams that bad or is the athlete that good? I'm not going to make a statement for either side, but I think it's something to think about for sure. People say, and I, I'll say it, I am one of them. That if LeBron James was in the Western Conference during the years he was making his eight straight finals, does he make it eight straight times? I think it's a legitimate argument you could say no, but that's here in what if. So, it's hypotheticals that you can't really go by because that's not what it is. Hypotheticals say that what if Michael Jordan didn't leave to play baseball? What if Michael Jordan, you know, didn't have to go through the bad boy Pistons? Or what if he was in the West and played the Pistons in the finals. What happens then? There's so many what ifs and there's no point in talking about them because they didn't happen. So if you're faced with what you have right now, that means that LeBron James is still two rings behind Michael Jordan in almost double the amount of attempts. There's two sides to that sword and how you look at it. All I'm saying is that this season's going to be interesting because if LeBron James makes it, and the way the Lakers are playing, it's, it wouldn't be a surprise again if they repeat as champions. i pick them to do so. That means he's only one behind Michael Jordan. How many people flip? And if he loses with this Laker team, how many people flip to the other side? It is like politics in a way. You have your people that are going to be MJ supporters no matter what. You have your people who are going to be LeBron supporters no matter what. But there is that middle ground to where people can see the writing on the wall and see that one can become better than the other. LeBron is still writing his history. Jordan's is done. Nobody's going to knock his legacy because the Hornets suck. But I'm just saying, that the the Super Bowl argument made that interesting to me. And at the time of recording, I wasn't sure what I was going to talk about, honestly, this week. That's why I called it the Dog Days, because there's not a whole lot to talk about and analyze, at least from the regular season basketball perspective. I'm going to get into the All-Star voting, but that's just that. So, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thought in my head that comes around the sports world, is why do we talk about titles with such reverence and praise? when it comes to judging individual players. I think it's fitting for basketball. I don't know if it's exactly fitting for football because if it's more of a team sport, but basketball, we saw what one player can do for a team. We've seen it all the time. Wherever LeBron James goes, he's in the finals. It doesn't matter what team he's on. Does he have help? Sure, but that's what one player can do. Was I right already? You know, I'm always someone that'll tell you I'm right if I'm right, especially when it comes to an unpopular opinion. This isn't unpopular per se. It isn't unpopular to say that the regular season doesn't matter and I've harped on that enough on this show. So, why am I saying am I right already? Well, let's just take a look at the standings right now. Granted, we're only 20 games in to this 72 game schedule just about for most teams. I mean, you want to you want me to tell you why the regular season doesn't matter and why it's so predictable? The NBA, the worst one of the worst parts about the NBA and I think the reason why its viewership isn't very strong, especially at this time of the year, is its predictability. If I were to tell you that the 76ers were the top overall seed in the East, and that the Jazz were the top overall seed in the West, and that the Celtics, the Nets, and the Nuggets were all about two to three to five games over 500, 14 and 9, 12 and 8, 11 and 9, respectively. And that the Mavericks, the Miami Heat, and the Toronto Raptors are all under 500 as I sit here recording this podcast. Would that be surprising to you? Seriously, would it? I think there's a few of those that are obvious outliers that won't end up being what they are. I don't think the Mavericks will be under 500. I don't think the Heat will be under 500 by the end of the season. I think those will be two playoff teams. But what did I tell you? And when we get into hard times, this is kind of setting up for a punchline, so a little bit of a preview there, but what am I telling you is that, what I'm telling you is that the regular season matters for only a few clubs, and it's the pretenders. It's the ones that don't really matter. Do they have players that matter? Yes. Do they have possible coaches that matter? Absolutely. The Jazz are the perfect example. The Jazz are ahead of the Lakers who have jumped out to one of the best starts in the NBA and they're only the second seed. The Jazz are 16 and 5. A lot of that has to do to me with Quinn Snyder, Donovan Mitchell. We're going to talk about him a little bit more in depth here coming up in the next segment. Rudy Gobert's always been a good defensive presence and the the Jazz have kept their core together. They don't really change their roster up much so their chemistry as a team has to be one of the strongest in the league where does all that come into play well the regular season can team chemistry help come playoff time yes but that's only if you're talented enough to make that chemistry fight other talent if you're just talented with no team chemistry that can win you an nba title look at the champions last year You can defend the Lakers all you want, but that is a team of scrubs that was put together in the offseason on one-year deals, and Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and look where it got them. They had everything you needed from a championship team. They had shooting. They had ball handling. They had good passers. They had rebounders. They had bigs. They had defenders. They had everything you needed, but, but as a team, none of those guys had ever played together for more than a season. So team chemistry shows its best advantage in the regular season. The Jazz know that if they're going to have any chance, any chance, to make it far in the Western Conference Finals, they need home court advantage. Even if it doesn't really matter this year, they still need it. And they want to have better seating. They want to have better opponents. Or more favorable opponents, I should say. The Jazz want to have to play the Clay Thompson-less, who's apparently an all-star Warriors. Don't worry, we'll get to what I just said. Because it's true, sadly. They want to play the eight seeds. They want to play the five seeds or the four seeds. They don't want to face the Lakers, who right now are the two seed. They wouldn't want to have to face the Lakers until you get to the conference finals. And that's smart. But at the same time, this is why those teams don't succeed very often. Those overachievers that maybe get a high seed, but ultimately flame out come playoff time. And this happens in all sports, too. But when it comes to the NBA, I think you see it a lot, is that these teams will get those records based on coaching, team chemistry, effort. I think you see a lot more effort out of these teams. And they wear themselves out. They wear themselves tired. We saw that with Russell Westbrook's MVP season, triple-double average season. That team didn't was never going to be a Western Conference final contender. But they were a playoff team. Because Russell Westbrook tried so hard to get them there and it wore him out. And now he's gotten into a habit of doing that every season, and that's why he'll never amount to anything when it comes to championship success in the NBA, and that's why I'll never take him seriously as a star player. But that's another point. I digress. The actual point I'm trying to make is is that it goes back to what I said before. Look at the teams that are coasting. Look at the Nets. Look at the Celtics. Look at the Mavericks. Look at, you know, you can't really say the Lakers because they're doing very well for themselves. Look at the Nuggets. Those teams have star players. At least one, probably two, in the Nets case three. They're coasting. As they should. You think Luka Doncic is playing out of his mind right now like he should? For God's sakes, no. Nor should he. Now come the end of this month, or the middle part of next month, yeah, I think you're going to see Luka Doncic pick it up a little bit. And that's when you're not going to see the Wizards make a six-point comeback against the Nets off an inbounds pass on a Russell Westbrook-made three-ball that's probably more rare than a blind squirrel finding a nut. That's when that's going to happen. That's when the real stars will merge, say, crack their necks, say, all right, let's probably get this going and uh, let's start focusing on what we have to do here. This is them still getting back into the game. This is getting back into game shape for them. But the Jazz and the Sixers, those teams are saying, hey, let's take advantage of that. Let's hop out and let's play well-organized basketball and let's take advantage. Everyone else just kind of standing there going, all right. Sure, go ahead. Have your fun now. Have your fun now. Say you're the best. That's okay. When you're out by the first or second round and you're sitting on your couch watching us play basketball, yeah, we may be 11-9 and nine right now, but we're going to be okay. The NBA knows that its own regular season doesn't matter. At least their elite teams knows that right now are the dog days. They don't have to care. And they don't. So the first All-Star ballots came out, and a few thoughts on them. I can't really go too in-depth because while the NBA's All-Star voting, I think, is taken the most seriously among the four major sports, maybe baseball has something to say about that, but I think the NBA does a good job of it, mostly because when fans try to pull a Game Stop and vote players like Zaza Pachulia into the All-Star game, the NBA goes, lol, no, which I can very much respect. So looking at the first round, Bradley Beal being the top ranked backcourt player in the Eastern Conference, thank you, is overachieving underrecognized accomplishments finally are so unrecognized that they're becoming recognized, and that's always a good thing to see. Looking elsewhere, playoff P, I'm glad he's getting some love because I think he's the best player on the Clippers and he has been this season. He's been the reason why they're still a playoff team as of right now. That could change, but the way Paul George has performed this season, he deserves that, especially after how rough his postseason went last year. And I won't give him the playoff P tag like a lot of people have just because last season was so unlike any other. Plus, I don't think Doc Rivers is that good of a coach. So, to me... Not that Ty Lue is Greg Popovich or anything, but I think playoff P, unless he does it again this year, I'm not giving him that tag yet, so it's good to see that he has love from the fans still. Jalen Brown and Zach Levine, thank God they're also in the All-Star game at this time. Jalen Brown is another unrecognized talent with Jason Tatum being as good as he is. I think Brown goes unrecognized as a really good Robin to his Batman. Zach Levine's not just a dunk contest guy, he's a very talented guard as well, and the Bulls stink, so it's good to see him also getting love, not just for a dunk contest, which isn't going to happen, but an all-star game that also isn't going to happen. John Morant over Donovan Mitchell, I could do without that. Not that John Morant doesn't deserve to be in, but Donovan Mitchell has led the Jazz to the number one seed in the Western Conference thus far. Not that I'm saying that matters, but still, I think it's worth a a little bit of something. And he's the best player on that team. We saw it in the series last year against Denver, how great Donovan Mitchell can be, even in the postseason. We've been seeing that since his rookie year, uh, when they knocked out the Thunder. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's always been a great talent. I I think he deserves that spot to be higher voted than... John Morant, especially considering Morant, was injured for a little bit of this first half of the season. James Harden is ranked third. Are you kidding me? James Harden looked like Big Chungus a few weeks ago. I understand that he was a part of the biggest trade in the last five to ten years, you could argue, but that doesn't mean he's an all-star worthy player and has been putting up that kind of numbers. Sure, he's been great, and he's James Harden. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be there, but if you look at numbers and you look on, and if you're voting based on this year, yeah, James Harden does not deserve to be there. Chunk Barkley doesn't deserve to be at least third. Klay Thompson's 10th. Yeah, I'm going to say that again. Klay Thompson is 10th. Yeah, let's move on. Let's let's make me happy once again that Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook are ranked 9th and 10th in voting in the uh, backcourt players in the Eastern Conference. Let's hope they don't make it because, to me, I wouldn't want them on my team because, to me, I wouldn't want those kind of all-stars. Finally, let's go over some snubs. I don't think there were many. Uh, You could maybe say Chris Middleton, and I'm actually – I'm not saying he deserves to be there, but with how much attention he gets on social media with highlights and and flashy plays behind-the-back passes, I was a, a little bit surprised that LaMolo Ball wasn't in that list. I wouldn't put him there, but in today's age of social media sharing and highlights and how much we judge players based on the little five-second clips that we see and not watching full games, I'm surprised that LaMelo maybe wasn't there. And Nikola Vukovic has been a really good big in the East for a long, long time, honestly. He's just rotting away his career in Orlando, but that's what happens, I guess, when you go unrecognized on a team that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, that even the NBA would like to forget about. They're like, oh, the Magic are still there. Eh, all right. Hard times! And hard times! That's hard times. Yeah, quick hard times. I mean, most teams haven't been doing that bad. I mean, on your occasional, you shouldn't have lost this game, or... I can only really think of two bad, hard times incidents since our last episode. Let's go through them. Yeah, LeBron James got the most recognition since last year's finals. I know that wasn't that long ago, but he's gotten the most recognition thus far this season because 70-year-old Tito Ortiz said, Stop looking at my pretty girlfriend. That's <laughs> it, it was funny. It was really funny. To go back and watch and just see them get escorted out. I thought that was hilarious, but at the same time, it is kind of sad that that's where the NBA's at, that their best player in the league gets the most attention because some guy, some guy who, in an age where there's no fans, is still allowed into the game courtside and then gets escorted out. And if you're LeBron James, obviously he did shrug it off and didn't really care and, you know, found it funny as the rest of us did, but. That doesn't help your public image. Not that it, I'm not saying it hurts him that bad. But go back and listen to, I mean, see, go, look up some of the videos that those two were saying, especially the, the girlfriend. They, she was saying that LeBron James was calling her, I, I don't know if it's a husband or a boyfriend or whatever it is, but she was calling her mans some rather unpleasant things. And, and her, too. So I, I couldn't find really any clear audio clips of it, but any accusation against LeBron James in that sort of manner isn't going to look good for the guy. But honestly, it's just a blip on the radar. I don't think it's that big of a deal. And ultimately, I think it's just a funny incident that happened. Just a shame that it had to happen to LeBron, a guy like LeBron James. And the last hard times of this episode to round it out, me. I, If you know me personally... You know I'm not the brightest. I'll be the first to tell you I'm not the brightest. And so what did I do? I went against my own advice on this podcast just last week. And I saw an odds boost on Fanduel, And it said Kevin Durant to score 30-plus points and the Nets to win at home against the Clippers. 500 was the odds boost. Ooh. Oh, I'm, I'm. You know what? I'm, I'm. not gonna be too greedy. I'm gonna put two bucks on it. Win ten, easy money. Durant scored twenty-eight, and the Nets lost by two. That's hard time. Well, looks like the shot clock has expired. Never miss an episode of Throwing Elbows with me, Eddie D. The NBA podcast by the Unlikely NBA Guy can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast outlets. You can also find today's episode on YouTube. Search Throwing Elbows with Eddie D, click on the first playlist you see. When the league's in season, so am I, as I'll be putting out new episodes every week of the NBA season. Be sure to come back next time to see what we got coming out of this timeout.